When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. Good morning, Dolphins fans. Welcome to another episode here of On the Fin Side with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Brian Cat NFL. Paul is fanatic underscore pick on Twitter. We are in Super Bowl weekend here. So we're, we're this is a day before the Super Bowl between the Bucks and the Kansas City Chiefs. We are all about the Miami Dolphins in the NFL draft heading into this weekend, though. Um Paul, uh, before we get started, though, uh, any Super Bowl plans that you have or, or you know, things going to be a little bit different for you this year? We're just keeping it low key around the house, not really having anybody over. Um, not really like normally I'd go watch half the game with my dad. I, I, I may skip out on that this year. Um, nothing really over the top. I mean, as long as I get to watch Brady lose, I'm good. We're going to keep it low key too. Uh, going to have some apps at home. Um, this is the first Super Bowl with my uh, with my son, who's eight and a half months old. So, looking forward to that. Uh, he'll be decked out in Chiefs gear, uh, as some of some of you may know. My my wife is a big Chiefs fan. So, uh, but uh, she asked if I wanted to wear a Chiefs hat and a Chiefs shirt. Just can't do it. Uh, <laughs> just can't do it. So you can wear like uh, a but, Sam Madison T-shirt. I mean, you know. Or That's where Sam yes. Maddie. Do you have a Sam Maddie jersey? No, don't wear a Sam Maddie jersey because that would jinx them. Uh, I, I would, uh, or, or maybe I can get a, a, a Dan Kilgore custom made jersey. Jesus, you're trying to break his legs too? Yeah, no kidding. You, just gave him <laughs> He's, he, you thought about it and he got COVID. Come on now. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Okay, so let's, we're, what we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the Dolphins offensive coordinator uh, hire here, or coordinators hire, and then. But the main part is we're going to take a look at the the top 50 consensus board for the NFL draft. And what that is, is any time during the NFL draft season where a lot of the big draft Knicks release a board at the same time, which they tend to do, I take those and I combine them to make one super board or consensus board. So we'll go through those and kind of how Paul and I feel about certain players and where they're ranked on here. So we'll get to that in a bit. But as far as the offensive coordinator, coordinators hire, the Dolphins did something pretty creative here, um, hiring or, excuse me, promoting Eric Studsville and uh, George Gotze as co-offensive coordinators. Um, definitely didn't expect that. What was your initial reaction to this? Um, confusion. Uh, I'm going to be honest there. It's it's not a traditional situation. Uh, it, it took me a little bit to wrap my head around it and in all honesty, there's there's a great article by Hal Habib right now um, about some of the history of the breakdown of teams that have done the co-coordinator situation. The funny thing is the the handful of times in recent years that that's been done, the teams put on a damn show as far as their offense went, and and almost every team listed 
wound up going, you know, double digit wins. So there might be something to this. And you know me, you know, I like different. So I'm, I'm curious. I'm very curious to see what they do here. Yeah. I'm curious too. And it's strange. I I think that was, that was my first thing is this is not that uncommon from what has happened in the NFL quite a bit. The Patriots do this kind of stuff all the time where you've got a run game coordinator, you got a pass game coordinator. That's pretty common in the NFL these days. I just don't understand why you can't name one offensive coordinator when they're probably, if you did, they're probably going to be assuming the same roles anyway. Now it's, it kind of sets up this situation where, okay, if the offense is struggling, Okay, which guy do you which guy do you blame? Which which guy answer answers for this? Do you fire one and not the other? Uh, and on the other side, if if it goes well, who gets credit for that? Uh, it, you know, it's it's just kind of, it's it's kind of strange. I so honestly I will, though, we'll I, I, I'm going to jump in on that cat. It, it's 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 kind of strange for us. It's kind of strange for the fans to know who to point the finger at. And Brian Flores is not going to tell us who to point the finger at. But I have a funny feeling that Brian Flores knows exactly who to point that finger at in any given moment. Uh, I, I don't see him having that situation be something where there's a gray area, at least as far as he's concerned. And I'll tell you who calls the play there. Whoever Flores points at and says, hey, you, go call it. I don't, And it may not be one of those two in the moment. Do you think Flores may have just grown up and really all his whole life wanted a mom and two dads? Do you think that's you think that's possible? <laughs> Jeez, I have that. What's <laughs> <laughs> wrong with you? All right, too no, early no, for this. Moving, moving on. <laughs> yeah, it, well, and look, it, Steve Mariucci uh, uh, talked about this a little bit. He said, uh, "When when I was with the Rams, I was just a young coach. We had what you might call two offensive coordinators because we had a run game coordinator and a pass game coordinator, and they actually shared the play calling." It was crazy. It's been done before. It's different. It's not very often that you share that responsibility. Somebody's got to be the play caller in my mind and get a rhythm going and set plays up for the next series or whatever. And that's the thing is, is somebody has to be the go-to guy for play calling. And and the question is, and what we'll, what we'll see is, is it better that two has got two guys to bounce ideas off of? Or is it, can it possibly set up a dysfunctional situation where either Studsville or Godsey want to eat each other alive if, if something goes wrong here? So that, that still remains to be seen. It does, but I, I'm, I, I can't wait to see how it works out. I, I think anything's going to be more exciting than, than Chan Gailey calling the offense with Tua at the helm. So, yeah, I, I think these are two guys that both have some faith in Tua, have some faith in the players we have. And are going to have a lot of fun with the, with the players that we're going to be drafting here and signing this offseason. Yeah, you bet. You bet. So, so we'll see about that. Uh, some other news that we didn't quite talk about here last week is the Matt Stafford-Jared Goff trade. And Matt Stafford was traded to the Rams in exchange for Jared Goff, two first-rounders, and a third-rounder. I was, I tell you what, I, when I saw this news here, you know, I, I got it on my iWatch here and I didn't see the whole message. At first, I thought for for about an hour, I thought it was just Jared Goff and a third rounder. And I thought, okay, that's that's a little less than I thought they'd get. And then when I read it later, I, I saw that they got an additional two first rounders, meaning the Rams 
will not have a first round pick until 2024. So they, between the years 2017 and 2023, they will not have had, have drafted in the first round as we're sitting here today. But as far as how that applies to the dolphins, now the lions were a team I thought might be a trade up partner for a quarterback. I don't think that's going to be the case anymore with how, with how they're, uh, with how much they're paying Jared Goff. Maybe. Uh, I still think they are. Now, the interesting thing here, too, is there are rumors this morning that the Eagles might end up being a little more willing to trade up after it sounds like they may be close to trading Wentz with the rumor being to, to the Colts. Uh, and it sounds like for a decent set of selections. So they may end up armed with two first-round picks, both number six and I think it's 21 overall. 21. Mm-hmm. Um, that they may be looking to come up and go after a Justin Fields here. So I'd, I'd be, that's another one I'd keep an eye on. And I don't think Goff precludes you from going after a quarterback if they're your guy. And I don't think Dan Campbell cares with one about the salary cap other than when you got to be the unfortunate dude that walks in and tells him he can't get a guy because you can't pay him. Yeah, it's. I think it's less likely that, A, the Eagles are a team that trades up or the lions, because I, I, I think they're more willing to, uh, to go with golf here over the next couple of years, but Justin Fields and Trey Lance are two quarterbacks that I think need some development. So there, maybe they're not somebody that get on the field here in the first year or two. Um, we'll see on that. Uh, I still think the, the real trade down partners for the dolphins are the Panthers at eight and the Broncos at nine. And the reason being, if you want evidence of it, they've tried to trade for Matt Stafford. So obviously they're in that quarterback market. Um, and if, if you're the Panthers, when you take a look at the Bucks with Brady at 44 years old, Drew Brees leaving, um, presumably he's, it's unlikely he's going to come back next year, probably going to retire. And Matt Ryan, who turns, turns 36 next month, if the Panthers come up for a quarterback, they have a lag up on having the best future quarterback in the division. Yeah, they do. And and actually, we just got asked a question about the quarterback position. And um, Life is a Gamble wanted to know what we think of the idea of Jacoby Brissett coming to Miami to be to his backup. I'll let you take this one first. I know I've mentioned him in the past a couple of times. Sure. I depends what he wants. I mean, I, I would imagine he would probably be a pretty pricey backup for, let's, let's say, five, six million a year, I'd, I'd, I'd estimate. Yeah, I, I like Brissett. I think he's a good backup. That's not going to kill you if he gets in and starts a couple of games. And also, what may be the most important thing after what we saw this past year, he's not prone to, to cause a quarterback controversy. Um, so if Tua struggles, I, I don't think there's much concern that you're going to put Jacoby Brissett in. And that's that's kind of the situation I, I want the Dolphins to be in. I want it to be Tua this year, presuming they don't trade for Deshaun Watson. Yeah, and, and I'm with you on that, and that's part of why the two guys I keep eyeballing as, as hopeful backups for Tua for next year, at least at the second string spot, are either Jacoby Brissett or Tyrod Taylor because I think the two of them are good enough to come in and win you some games, like you said, but they're not good enough to create a, contra- a quarterback controversy unless Tua struggles massively, um, which is, is, is a good sweet spot to be in and I think they can lend some experience to Tua that help him develop as well absolutely 
So let's take a look at some of these draft prospects here. And this is, like I said at the beginning, we're going to take a look at the consensus top 50 players in the NFL draft based on the big boards, the top 100 boards of six different uh, draft nicks. So you've got Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay, um, Daniel Jeremiah, Dane Brugler, and uh, the Draft Network, and one that I'm forgetting here. Um, oh, PFF, uh, headed by Mike Renner. So you've got those six combined boards. Actually, Daniel Jeremiah's was 50. Uh, he only had 50 instead of 100, but the other ones had 100. So really robust group. So we're going to take this in more digestible um, bites here. So first, we're going to go through the top 10. And I'll go ahead and read them off as, as to how they were ranked. Number one, Clemson quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, no surprise. Number two, a little surprising, Jamar Chase, wide receiver from LSU. Three, Panay Sewell, offensive tackle from Oregon. Four, quarterback, Zach Wilson from BYU. Five, Devontae Smith, Heisman Trophy winner, wide receiver from Alabama. Six, Kyle Pitts, tight end from Florida. Seven, Justin Fields, quarterback from Ohio State. Eight, Micah Parsons, linebacker, Penn State. Nine, Jalen Waddell from Alabama. And finally, 10, Trey Lance, quarterback from North Dakota State. Paul, the first thing that jumps out at me on this list here is you've got four quarterbacks on this consensus board in the top 10. So it, and, and if you see how much quarterbacks have gone for with the Stafford trade, could be a mad fight to, to be moving up for these four guys. I hope it's... Uh couple of teams fighting like hell to move up and get their guy. Uh, it, it's, I hope the Jets stay pat at two and, and take Penny Sewell off the board or one of the quarterbacks to really help yank this, this, this fight a little bit further up for these teams. I, I, I don't want a quarterback for Miami. I, Trevor Lawrence is going number one overall, so any type of debate about that is is fine but any of the other three i just don't want or need them in miami no definitely not and again if trevor lawrence and deshaun watson to me are just two different caliber prospects um if you're saying that you draft two a fifth overall and then a year later you're looking at zach wilson or justin fields i'm thinking are you telling me there are really three or four generational type of quarterbacks in this draft i don't think there are and wouldn't make a lot of sense to me that's why we're not going to focus on quarterback a lot for the Dolphins. But we uh, we had our top 10 list here a couple of weeks ago, Paul. Taking a look at the guys here listed in the top 10 that we have. Again, Lawrence, Chase, Sewell, Wilson, Devontae Smith, Pitts, Fields, Parsons, Waddle, and Lance. Um, I'm looking at this list, and and the way I have it is, number one, Trevor Lawrence, even though that's he's a Jaguar. Two, Panay Sewell. Number three, I bumped up, I bumped up Pitts to the third spot. And I'll get to that in a minute. Four, Jamar Chase, five, Micah Parsons, six, Devontae Smith, seven, Jalen Waddle, and then eight through 10. I, I'd have the quarterbacks because I don't want to draft one. Um, so, but as far as Pitts is concerned, I've, I've flipped a little bit on him because, well, not flipped, but I've moved him up because the more I watch him, think it, don't overthink this. This guy could by could just be something that comes along once every 15 or 20 years with the matchup problems that he creates from the tight end spot and also his ability to flex out wide yeah it's he's a guy that i think you you already know i really really like in this draft i i went a little differently with how i broke my my tier my mine out here 
Um, after Trevor Lawrence, which yeah, I don't even need to get into, I, I would hate it if for some reason Trevor Lawrence fell to three. It would be the most agonizing um you know, ten minutes of my life. Well, he uh, won't. So, so I mean, it, you're. But I'm just saying, like, luck. it's. But a, after Trevor Lawrence, I I kind of break him into tiers. It's for me, the next tier would probably be Micah Parsons or Kyle Pitts because I just think they are so far above and beyond anything else behind them and what they would do to this team. Um, that I I I I can, I can find a tackle like. Penny Sewell. I love Penny Sewell, right? And I know we're going to get to this. I don't have this huge, huge drop-off from Penny Sewell to Rashawn Slater. Um, the wide receiver class. I've got wide receivers I love that are second-round, third-round, fourth-round, fifth-round prospects. So I can't take those guys and say, Jesus, we need one of these three guys. Um so for me, the top tier would be Kyle Pitts and Micah Parsons. I still lean Parsons a little over Pitts as much as I love Pitts, but I wouldn't be unhappy. Um, after that, I probably would slot Penny Sewell in tier two. Uh, the three wide receivers, put them in any order you want. They would all help. I can't just say, ooh, take the Bama guys because Tua used to play with them. Um, it's... Yeah, I... I see what you're saying on that. It's, and then I just lump the quarterbacks in at the bottom, the other three quarterbacks in at the bottom end of the top 10. So, uh, yeah. And, and for me, it's, uh, you know, let's take Lawrence out of the, the conversation. It's, it's Sewell in the top tier for me for that spot. And then after that, very close between Pitts, Jamar Chase, Micah Parsons, Devonte Devonte Smith. And then there's a major drop off. I, I have, I feel the opposite about the offensive tackle class. I've got Sewell way, way above. And then I'm not buying into the Rashawn Slater is, it, I mean, you, you have some mocks that have Slater going above Penny Sewell. To me, that's recency bias on crack uh, to, to have that. And I, I know you've got Sewell above, but I, I think you're, we're talking about just a completely different type of prospect here than, than Rashawn Slater, a guy who's, you know, probably going to measure in under six foot four, but I, I, I like him more on the inside anyway. So th that's the top 10 there. So let's get to the group of 11 through 20 on this board. Number 11 is Virginia Tech cornerback Caleb Farley. 12, another cornerback, Patrick Sertan, the second from Alabama. 13, offensive tackle Rashawn Slater from Northwestern. 14, Gregory Russo from Miami, the defensive end. Right behind him, is Quiddy Pay, the defensive end for Michigan. 16, Christian Darisaw, the tackle from Virginia Tech. 17, Trevon Morig from TCU. 18, Jeremiah Owusu Koromora from Notre Dame. 19, Xavier Collins from Tulsa. So that's group uh, 10 through 19 there, Paul. So looking at that group that are there, this is a this is kind of the group that that you're hoping one guy of value falls to that 18 pick. Um, who who is one out of this group that that you're hoping does fall to 18 if the Dolphins don't move up and are down from that pick? It's going to depend a little bit on what they do with the first overall pick. God, this is a tough one. I mean, I, I guess I'd have to say Owusu Kamora, but in reality. Uh, I almost like guys in that in that twenty to twenty nine range a little bit more here. 
or that 21 to 30 range a little bit more. And I, I'd be open to trading down almost no matter who slid in in this in this second group of ten. I, I yeah. hate this spot. I hate I hate if there's a pick I could hate more than any other, it's being in that like eighteen range. Because you're after all the great guys are probably gone, but you're kind of overdrafting anybody you like behind you. It, it's just disgusting to me. I hate it. I'm I'm right there with you on that. I I don't like this area of the draft, and I didn't like it last year either. That's why I was a big proponent of trading up from 18, um, up five six spots to get that offensive tackle. And I still wish they did that. Uh, you know, if, if Tristan Wirfs went for 14th, Austin Jackson went 18th. Uh, so I'm I'm a big proponent of trading up or down. Scummy in the chat here said that. Um, is something I really like the idea of you take Penny Sewell at three and then you trade up to get one of those pass catchers uh, in that eight to 12 range. I'm a big proponent of that. I, I think you could come out with really two stars in this draft. If that were to happen for me, just taking a look at this list, say the dolphins stay at 18, a player that I, the player I hope would drop is uh, Gregory Rousseau from Miami. I think he would be a tremendous fit for this defense and this is a defense with Brian Flores and Josh Boyer that have taken advantage of length uh, in, in their in their defense. And I think if you could have somebody on the edge, if you have a three-man three rotation of Russo, Shaq Lawson, and Emmanuel Ogba, that's, that's pretty special right there. And Gregory Russo, just 20 years old and one year removed from a 15-and-a-half sack, 19-and-a-half tackle for lost season. I really wish he would have played this year. He opted out uh, due to COVID-19 there. So one player I'd say I'm lower on in this group um, it is a, not, not a position of need for the Dolphins, but I, I don't think I'd even take him at 18, and that's uh, Pat Sertan second. I, you know, his, his dad's a four-time Pro Bowler with the Dolphins, one of my favorite Dolphins of all time, really, uh, at the cornerback spot, and one of the most underrated Dolphins of all time, I think. Um, I question whether or not Sertan the second has, has that top end speed to play in a defense like this. So even if he were available, I think you're looking at getting a decent slot cornerback. I, I think he'd be good for some schemes, but wouldn't be good for the dolphins. I like Caleb Farley a lot more if the dolphins went a best player available route at 18, but I don't see him drafting a cornerback period. No, I mean, if they grab a corner, it's going to be somebody in a later round. Um, it, it's not going to be anybody in this top 50 unless, you know, I hate to keep using this example, but unless a gas mask video surfaces on draft day, um, it, it's just, I don't see them doing, going after a corner unless you're somewhere in the late second and somebody has drastically slid or in the third and somebody has slid and the value is just too great to pass up. Got it. So let's take a look at that 21 through 30 group. Also, there's a guy, um, I'm, Number 20 on this list was Elijah Vera Tucker from USC. Uh, He's interesting. Offensive tackle. I mean, PFF ranked him in pass sets as as the best offensive tackle in in the nation Um, there. He he can move a lot. He can play left tackle, can play left guard. He played with Austin Jackson at USC. I I don't see him being being somebody that that the Dolphins go after here, though. Um, So let's take a look at that group of 21 through 30 that you alluded to, Paul. 21. 
Cornerback J.C. Horn from South Carolina, 22. Running back Travis Etienne from Clemson, 23. Defensive end Aziz Ojolare from Georgia, 24. Christian Barmore, the defensive tackle from Alabama, 25th. His teammate, running back Najee Harris from Bama, 26. Wide receiver Rashad Bateman from Minnesota, 27. Nick Bolton, linebacker from Missouri, 28. Jalen Mayfield, the tackle from Michigan, 29, Jalen Phillips, defensive end from Miami, 30, Kadarius Toney, wide receiver from Florida. So on this list here, a guy I'm a little bit higher on is uh, is Christian Barmore. I think he would be a phenomenal fit in this defense too. Kind of the pass rushing version of a uh, Raquan Davis. I mentioned that a couple of weeks ago and somebody else on Twitter uh, also mentioned that in, in, in the tweets too. Um, on there, I think his name was uh, Brett Brett Legasse. I think I, I can't remember his name. Um, yeah, Brett Legasse. Yeah, yeah, Brett. Uh, so, thanks for Brett to Brett for uh, for throwing that out there too. Um, it's yeah, he's somebody that's six five three ten, and if he's available at eighteen, I see it as kind of a best player available type of scenario there. Paul, who's somebody out of this group that you like here that that you're very high on? Um, I don't know if you've heard me mention his name this offseason yet, but uh, there's there's a wide receiver named Kadarius Tony on here. I I just think Tony does so many special things, and he precludes you not having to use the number three overall pick on a wide receiver. Um, guy, guys like Tony and, and some of the later round guys that we'll get to, I don't believe today because I don't think they were incorporated into the top fifty, but. Guys like Tony, I mean, God, I would adore if they took Pitts and Tony in round one and and what that would do to the offense because you've got to remember, drafting Pitts can still make your wide receiver core better and then adding Tony to that wide receiver core makes it even more special. And the reason why Pitts makes your wide receiver core better is because of the things he can do out of the tight end position, but also you can move Gasicki into that big slot role full time. Uh, while still having a pass-catching threat on the field. And don't tell me Shaheen or Smythe, while I love them, are any form of a pass-catching threat. No, they're definitely not. I They're reason enough for me not to look at any other tight end other than Pitts because if, if you take somebody like a Pat Fryermuth anywhere in this draft or in the second round, it's like how much are you really upgrading a spot? I, I, I don't think much. Um if you if you draft Yaboa later on, you might be. Uh, interesting. Uh, and he could be available later. Uh, he, he's somebody that underachieved a lot. And, and, but has a lot college. of tools. Yeah, he does. He's got a lot of tools. He kind of reminds me of Gerald Everett a little bit from the Rams. Uh, he can he can get open for sure. Um, so, yeah. Look, also too, J.C. Horn. I see was mentioned in the chat too, and I agree that I think he might be the best cornerback in the draft, and he would be great in this scheme because he he is a battler out there in man-to-man coverage on the perimeter. Son of a former Saints wide receiver uh, Joe Horn, and I love this guy. But my concern is if you're spending the resources at that spot when when you've got already Byron Jones and Xavier Howard you may find yourself in a position where, okay, we've got J.C. Horn, we've got Noah Igbenogany that we've spent first-round picks on, and our top three guys are, are Byron, Xavier Howard, and Nick Needham. We've really harmed some resources there. We've, we've, we've not gotten a lot of immediate return at that cornerback spot. And not only that, Kat, I, I, I'd, I'd take that a little bit of a step further and 
all I can think of if, if we want to talk about drafting a corner in, in round one this year is, what was it, three, felt like four decades in a row, even though it was only a few years in a row, the Jets went out and took safety after safety after safety after safety after safety early in the draft, and really just, it, it, it almost became its own meme. Like, up, oh, what safety are the Jets drafting in round one this year? Uh, because that's just how it went down and, and I, I don't want to be the team that's literally just burning out every first round corner in hopes that they stick yeah and that that was what 2017 where they took Jamal Adams in the first round Marcus May in the second they end up trading Jamal Adams they did get a haul for him and then in the second round Marcus May turns out to be one of the only good players of their team and they haven't resigned him so I I, I don't know good, good luck with that um yeah, and, and a couple of things there is Kadarius Tony. I, I mean, un, to say he's electrifying with the ball in his hands after the catch doesn't even do justice. Uh, one thing he'll have to answer for, too, is he's got some off-the-field problems. He was caught with a gun here recently. And, you know, there is some of that stigma that follows these University of, of Florida players. Um, it's It could be on, some of it's unfair, some of it's not, but – yeah, um, I'll say this, and this is not a shot at Kadarius Tony. I have Elijah Moore from Mississippi right there with him. I love Elijah Moore from Mississippi. I think he can get in and out of his cuts unbelievably well. He just missed this list. He was 53rd uh, here, but he's somebody I am liking more and more as we go along. Almost 1,200 yards uh, at Ole Miss here this past year, but unbelievable in and out of his cuts. Um a player that I'm, I say I'm a little further down on among this group is at 22, um, Travis Etienne. First of all, it was shocking he went back to college this past year, and he yeah. shouldn't have. And you look at that group of running backs, you had, what, five or six guys taken between 32 and 55 last year. I really think if Etienne had come out, he would either have been a Dolphin or he would have forced a running back down to that 55 pick. Um, where where the Dolphins took Raekwon Davis instead after they missed missed the run on that, um, but Etn he's somebody that always wants to bounce it to the outside, and he needs to fix that going into the NFL. And already, if we're talking about somebody who needs to come in the NFL and play a different style of football than he's used to, that carries a risk. So. When you look at the Dolphins at pick 36, there's a group of three backs with Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, and Javante Williams. I would be happy taking any of those three backs at 36, but I'd prefer not to spend the 18th overall pick on a running back. Yeah, and there, there are running backs I like later in the draft, too. Um, you know, guys that we're going to talk about a lot. I, I still like Ramondre Stevenson, even though he fell way, way down. You know, Michael Carter, who we talked about on our last show about the Senior Bowl, risers and fallers as a guy that really made his, his bones this week uh, or this past or got a week ago. Wow. Senior bowl already a week ago. Um, yeah. So, and, and by the way, real quick, Kat, I'm going to interject guys, make sure you are clicking like, make sure you guys are subscribing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Give it, give us comments, give us questions We're we're really, really loving the interaction we've got with you guys right now. So thank you. You bet. You bet. I, I, and I'm actually looking at the chat a little bit and it's the reason I didn't before is just cause I, it's hard for me to do two things at once. So uh, <laughs> let's take a look here at, at the group of 31 through 40. 
31 guard Wyatt Davis from Ohio State, 32 offensive tackle Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State, 33 Mac Jones, the quarterback out of Alabama, 34 Terrace Marshall, uh, the wide receiver from LSU, 35 Alex Leatherwood, offensive tackle from Alabama, 36 a linebacker edge player Joseph Osai from Texas, 37 wide receiver Rondale Moore from Purdue, 38 Pat Fryermuth, who we talked about, the tight end from Penn State, 39, Levi Ozarike from the University of Washington, and 40, Jason Owe from Penn State. So, Paul, I'll throw it to you first. Who's a guy that among this group you're a little bit higher on? I really, really, like, I'm, I'm not a huge proponent that we need to just destroy to get our offensive line in shape this year. Uh, I, I think some of our offensive line improvement is leave them the heck alone and let these players develop that we've got in the three rookies from last year. But when I look at Wyatt Davis, I kind of see him as the potential Eric Flowers replacement that that could come in and and play very well um, alongside what we've got there. Um, Joseph Asai, he is an absolute stud. I think he's underrated at, at 36. And then Jason Owe is another guy that, or Owe, or Owa, or I, yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah, you got I, it right. I don't have all my pronunciations down yet. Um, he's a guy out of, that I, I do like watching at that defensive end position and, and kind of has me intrigued. And I do think Miami needs a defensive end in this draft. Yeah. A um, couple of guys there. Yeah. Uh, Asai, I think he had 15 sacks this past year. Not the high-end athlete that some of these other uh, edge players are in this class, but he's somebody that that plays from whistle to whistle, gives a lot of great effort, and is very productive, um, too. So I could see him being a possibility. And he's also good at, at, at maintaining his responsibilities. That's something that Flores, I think, will certainly like. Um, yeah, looking at this list, Wyatt Davis, I, he was the guy I had, too. And even though he's a guard and the Dolphins don't have a big need of guard, it's one of the lowest needs on their team, to me, this is somebody who has been so solid um, with Ohio State for so long that that he's kind of going missed a lot. Um, I, I think he'd be great value at 36. 18 might be a little high, but yeah, I think that he played every snap at right guard at Ohio State. So I think what you'd see in that scenario is Robert Hunt staying at right tackle, Solomon Kindley moving to left guard, and and Wyatt Davis playing right guard. Yeah, not a huge need, and it's not a it's it's a position that should be easier to find. But he, when I look at him, I see unbelievable balance. I mean, I'm when I look at that's the first thing I look at with offensive linemen is how often are you getting pushed back? The answer with Wyatt Davis is never. So. He's somebody that I, I like a lot too. Levi Ozarike too is at defensive tackle is is to me the best. He and Barmore are the best defensive tackles in this class as far as ability. He's only six three two ninety, but he looks on tape like he's two inches taller and twenty pounds heavier. So I I look forward to seeing where where he's going to go in the draft too. Um, somebody I'm, I'm a little bit lower on. There's actually a couple guys. Alex Leatherwood did not have a good showing. Uh, in mobile. Um, he, at the tackle spot, you know, he, he, he didn't look, I, I, I thought uh, Dylan, Dylan Radens passed him for sure um, at, at, Mo, uh, at Mobile here at the senior bowl week. Uh, I, I see Alex Leatherwood having kind of the same career path as Cam Robinson, who is the left tackle drafted in the thirties by the Jaguars here, what, five years ago. 
Leatherwood's, I think, a little better of a prospect. Cam Cam Robinson was a lot more lumbering, but offensive tackle, guard, that spot. Um, you know, I, I think he's just going to be an okay player. Um, also, Jason always an interesting guy because he has the physical ability and he could be a good fit in this defense. Zero sacks here for Penn State this past year, though. And that's something that I think is going to stick out like a sore thumb in this pre-draft process. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I, I just want to answer something real quick in the chat because we both talked about Wyatt Davis in the interior of the Dolphins offensive line. And I see a few folks debating about Landon Dickerson. I know Armando Salguero came out drooling over him because he came in and, and you know, took a snap when they were just doing the victory formation uh, despite his season-ending injury this year. I love Landon Dick- Dickerson. He's a leader. His teammates love him. He's versatile. He's got a high football IQ and a high motor, and he plays amazingly well and blocks even better. But... Here's the thing, and this is this is what I said to Armando. Season-ending health issues. 2016, he played six games and then went down for the year with an ACL injury. 2017, played four games, ankle surgery. 2018, played two games, got sidelined for the year with ankle injuries, and had to redshirt that season. 2019, he finished healthy. And then this year, again, another knee ligament issue. I don't know how long some folks have been watching the team, but do you guys remember the last few years of Mike Pouncey? It was, it was like Preston Williams, but at center. Um, it, it just, it was, you play five games and then you get paid for the rest of the year to go home. That's that, that is what we're looking at with Dickerson. And that is why he is not even on my draft board this year. As good of a player as he is, if he can walk that, that week. Paul's been just kicking that uh, rundown knee of Landon Dickerson for the last couple of weeks. His ankle? (laughs) Which which broken leg joint? Which Your legs are so important. Your legs are the most important part of blocking. If you have good feet and good legs, you can literally just, you know, hold your arms against your side and figure it out and be something. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm with you on that. I, I I'm he landed Dickerson on this consensus board is 64th. So late second round that uh, that means here. I I'm with you. I mean, I, I think those are too many injuries at a position that should be easier to find at center. So yeah, landed Dickerson. If you start getting down to day three, fourth, fifth round and say, Hey, we're going to take a flyer on this guy. Yeah. I think he's got great strength. He's got great football IQ. Like you said, great teammate, but He's got to be viewed as a bonus day three type of guy for me too. Um, so let's let's take a look at this final group here, Paul. Forty-one through fifty. Forty-one safety Javon Holland from Oregon. Forty-two uh, Davion Nixon, the off of the defensive tackle from Iowa, that I saw was uh, mentioned in, in the chat too, and we, we can chat about him a little bit. Forty-three Boogie Basham from Wake Forest. 44, Sam Cosme, the tackle from Texas. 45, Asante Samuel Jr., cornerback from Florida State. 46, Chaz Saraz, linebacker from North Carolina. 47, Joe Tryon from Washington, defensive end. 48, Liam Eikenberg, offensive tackle from Notre Dame. 49, cornerback Elijah Molden from Washington. And 50, Dylan Moses, the linebacker from Alabama. And I'm going to throw one more guy on there. 51, center Creed Humphrey 
from the University of Oklahoma. You're a horrible person putting him on there. <laughs> Creed, yeah. I broke the rule on that. Uh, I looked at him and I'm like, oh, good. He's not on there. We don't have to even talk about it as much. I like Creed Humphrey. And then you went, oh, yeah, our top 50 is going to be 51 players. Boom. Like, ah. Yeah. All right. Well, well, I'm higher on Creed Humphrey than they are. Um, Dylan Moses is a weird one for me. I keep looking at, at him, and every time I see him on a draft list, for no reason at all, when no football has been played at all, he, he, he's further down. I think it's just the draft th- thing that we see every year kind of, kind of, where it's like, all right, well, we already know everything we need to know about him, and the scouts get bored talking about him and keep moving him down. Now, but here's the thing. I had to look at the list because you said something, and I just blacked out afterwards. You said Boogie Basham. I know it's defense. I want him in Miami so bad. He can rush the passer. He can set the edge. I'll take him over Joseph Asai. I will take him over pretty much all the defensive ends we've mentioned so far. I think he's going to be special. And, Kat, you remember I was talking about him last year. I was drooling over the idea of taking him in the third round last year, what a steal he was going to be. He can only get better. He just It's the body control, the motor everything with him i i just want him in miami i I want my boogie jersey he he was a little i was a little hesitant on him up until senior bowl week because i was wondering is this a guy that can play physical all the time or is he somebody that just kind of wants to run around people at at his size and i i I thought he looked a lot more physical at, at at during senior bowl week so i'm on board with that but not as on board as paul is but um i am on board with well, you Carlos should not buy if you, if you buy Boogie's jersey. I swear to God, I should do that to be funny. A uh, oh. uh, guy on this list too that I'm I'm high. I mean, I'm I'm I would have Basham much higher than 43, and I think he will move up a little bit more as we go through this. Um, Elijah Molden, the cornerback from Washington. You want to talk about a guy that can come into this defense and play right away? He's it. He he is not somebody that specializes on playing in the boundary. He is a slot cornerback and I think he could come in and immediately challenge Nick Needham for that role um would I the question is would I take him at at 36 or would I take him at 50 I would much prefer 50 um but he's somebody I, I wouldn't cringe at at 36 either at this point we'll also see how he works out I mean is if if this if this is a guy that pulls a tease Tabor and at, at the private workout for Washington and runs a four seven that could be a different thing so um, and also Davion Nixon, he's somebody that had, he, he had an amazing senior season at defensive tackle for Iowa. Um, and I, I just don't think he has the physical ability of a Barmore or, or Levi Ozerike. So he, he's somebody who could be in the dolphins radar, but I, I think he's more of a kind of a third round guy when it's all said and done. Yeah. And I, I just, I can't, I still can't bring myself to the, the, the table with the cornerback position here. Um, I, I, he, God, yeah. No, and I I honestly, like, I keep looking at this, and and the number of offensive tackles in the first two rounds period has me a little confused. I don't think the offensive tackle play is horrific across the NFL landscape. And last I checked, there's only 64 of these jobs in the world. So it's... I, I don't see every one of these offensive tackles that I see in the top 50 here being a day one starter, let alone a year one starter. 
Um, it, it, it's there just aren't enough seats for this game of musical chairs. So I do think some of these offensive tackles are going to slide back a lot further than people expect them to. Yeah, I think there's a big group of, of, of guys here. Um, w- one player, too, that I have a bone to pick with is, is Walker Little, uh, the tackle from Stanford. This is a guy who, in 2019, he played one game, got hurt. 2020, he opted out, which, fair enough. But then he didn't, he rejected coming down to senior bowl week. And I'm like, so since the end of the 2018 season, he has played one half of football. And my first question to, to him would be, are you ever going to play? Like, it, it, why wouldn't you come down to senior bowl week and, and show off? Instead, we're going to let other offensive tackles, you know, like James Hudson, pass him up on the draft board. I, I, no, he's, he's off my board, too, for, for that very reason. Why don't you play football at some point? Yeah, um, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm good with drafting people that haven't played football. Uh, w- yeah. yeah. It, it may, maybe if you get me a, a, a 300-pound basketball player, uh, we'll talk. But, you know, at least he's doing something. You know? Yeah, I, I also I, I see in the chat, too, here that, that people are talking about cornerback. Um, a few people have said, stop talking about cornerback or we're, we're okay there. Um, no, I'm not going to. Uh, here's why. <laughs> I don't know how many times people have to see Jerry Wilson or R.J. Stanford or Bakari Rambo playing in week. Bakari was in the corner. Rip. Whatever. He was, he was a. He, he was wasn't a, a safety either. <laughs> he was a DB and he was useless. So that's that's all that matters. Uh, but let me tell you this: the is the Dolphins need in a season seven to eight defensive backs, and that's if they're healthy to to rotate in. Otherwise, you're going to have Xavier Howard and Byron Jones at cornerback, and you're going to get your nickel and dime backs uh, eaten up. We saw that in the Bills game when Isaiah McKenzie raked uh, Nick Needham over the coals. So they need. More and more defensive backs in this type of defense. But so I, I I will not take another defensive back that stinks changing his name this off season just so he could be on the roster and not get roasted. I, I I will not take that again. That was like the worst case of witness protection that I've ever seen. He changed his name and went back to the same damn job playing the same way. I, mm, yeah. I my least favorite defensive back, actually two were Calvin Jackson and Jerry Wilson being on the field at the same time. It was, I mean, I still have nightmares about that. And I have to say it, it, it forced me to, to like the pick of Jamar Fletcher at the time. Uh, Cause I, I, the dolphins went 11 and five in, in 2000. And I said all off season, they would have been at least two games better if not for Jerry Wilson. That, that's what the scary thing about it was. So yeah, look cornerback. And, and by the way, I love everyone in chat. So I'm just, I'm kind of, you know, I'm being grumpy as usual, but, uh, but cornerback, you can't be spending all this money and have a giant hole because Josh Allen for the next five years is going to pick at that hole. I should, should use better language there, but uh, <laughs> I, yeah. Okay. I'm going to go, I'm going to go yeah. okay on that. <laughs> okay. Uh, Dylan Moses is somebody that I think his draft stock is going to be a lot like Mac Wilson's from Alabama a few years ago. Um, the where he f- ended up falling like down, I think the fifth round. I don't think Moses will fall that far, but he's had he he missed all of what 2019 with an injury hasn't been the same player. Um, yeah, and, and he's an off ball linebacker. I see him falling way past 50 in this draft, so yeah, that that's gonna do it. And I and I go to uh Brian Cat NFL, I'm gonna post this uh consensus draft board here, um, today at some point. And uh, you, you can take a look at this here. And we're going to, you know, this is really to guide 
you know, where the players are ranked on a consensus consensus standpoint. So, Paul, we've gone through a lot of names here. Uh, any other passing thoughts here as, as we wrap the show up? I just want to say boogie one more time. I'm good. So, yeah, we're good. Guys, make sure you like and subscribe. Thank you guys so much. Absolutely. Like and subscribe. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in here. And uh, be sure to follow us here um, on Twitter, Facebook, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio. You know where to find us. I'm Brian Cat NFL. Paul is fanatic underscore pick on Twitter. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side. Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save